He's a man, we're men, we're on a podcast for everyone. It's just me, Julian, talking with Jordan and having some fun. Yeah, new podcast intro, coming in hot, fully committing, I'm fully committing, I'm fully committing. Welcome to Aboutcast, it's Julian. Jordan, how are you? Dude, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling fully committed after that one. Excellent work, <laughs> sir. Yeah, really, really, really riled the pipes for that one. Uh, I hope you. <laughs> I, I hope you guys are uh, enjoying the new intro theme music, uh, special edition for today. But Jordan and I are super stoked, as you can tell, for today's topic: bringing the knowledge to the table and feasting. Yeah. I think that that's literally probably like the greatest subtitle of this podcast ever, bringing knowledge and feasting, because today we are talking about, uh, you know, something that probably you've talked about with your friends just messing around, uh, the dream dinner guest. So if you had a dinner and you can invite three people living um, throughout whatever time period, who would you invite? And we are about to talk about ours and why they are the best. And I think this is an all-time great conversation piece because you're going to learn about whoever you're talking to. You're going to learn about their interests or why they're interested in certain people. It's a great icebreaker. And I think Jordan and I are going to have some wicked answers for you today on the podcast. Absolutely. And we're going to take a quick break and then head right into it. And my first dinner guest is, uh, no, I'm not going that quick, boys. Uh, but so the thing that I think is so interesting about this before I start saying my guests is you learn about what people are interested in when you hear their guests and why they're choosing them. So then you're going to learn a lot about us and we want to learn a lot about you. So please, before we start saying these picks, go and message us and let us hear your picks as well. Because it would just be, it's, it's just fascinating and curious, you know. And I think it's something to get super groovy on. I think you can be as elaborate as you want. I mean, it's your dinner guest, your party. They're doing, they're either entertaining you, giving you knowledge, they're funny, or they're just someone you want to look at, I guess. But ultimately, we're going to break down our dinner guests, starting with Jordan's first pick. So my first pick is somebody that you guys might not have heard about at all, um, which makes sense unless you're from Japan. And it is a guy called Miyamoto Musashi. And the reason why I'm choosing this dude is because he's literally like a legend over in Japan. He grew up uh, in kind of like around the feudalist time. So it was all about uh, like, you know, samurai, swordsmanship, ronin, um, and also on the verge of around like the guns time, which is interesting. And basically this dude, if you don't know, is one of the most rowdy and not rowdy, but wild dudes ever. Um, he has a book. It's called Miyamoto Musashi. And he also wrote uh, The Seven Rings. And dude, this guy is just a legend. Um, one of the most feared swordsmen. And guess what, Julian? He rocked a wooden sword for the most of it. He was checking fools with wooden swords. Nothing says confidence like dinking someone on the head with a woman's so a wooden sword. But I have to figure out, what do you think he'd be eating at your dinner? Or what would he be providing at the table? You know, once he initially sits down, what is the first thing that goes through his mind to tell you or you ask? Uh, that's a good question. And 
I guess one of the reasons too, it's he's not only a kind of like a hardened warrior, but he also, and I don't want to give away too much in his, the, from the book, because it kind of talks about a lot of this, but he also spent literally, I think three years locked in a room and all he had to do is read. So he is like really, really like deep and foundational and intelligent. And so I think that there's these complexities and layers that he would give you. Um, and I think the first thing that we could talk about is his art, believe it or not. He's an artist as well as a warrior. So it's just like a deep, deep dude. Um, and just had done a lot of stuff in his life. Farming, samurai stuff. Um he was also like a soldier at one point. It's just like, you know, the dude is deep. That That's fair. I, I guess uh, it'd be an interesting social barrier to break down a guy who had locked himself in a, a room for a while to read and figure out where his social, what his social etiquette is like or those conversation methods. But to, one, pick apart what he interprets from his readings and his life comparatively to what you're thinking in your modern scenario. I also would be curious to wonder if he would show you any sword skills. So throughout kind of like time, I mean, maybe I'm a little too grown to be someone's, uh, you know, to be someone's like little underling. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think that the cool thing about him is he created his own style. And he was like known for wielding two swords at one time and which was like quite rare as a samurai in the moment. So it's like, yeah, dude, you know, if I was to, it would be looking pretty, pretty badass. Um, and you know, it's, it's just such an interesting life that he had. And I think that he isn't like jaded really from me. He's like quite polite. And even though he like stays away from kind of the, uh, the, the kind of like the luxury and the riches and stuff of that nature. He's still like a really human guy. I don't know how to describe it, but just, you know, going through his book, you can kind of like get a feel for this man because he's obviously the main character and a lot of, a lot of really good qualities. And, um, obviously on top of that, like, you know, it's like the classic folklore of Japan itself. Like people know these characters really well. Um, and so he's really well liked and that's why Miyamoto Musashi, the legendary samurai with the dual wielding sword, sometimes a wooden sword, sometimes an artist is my first dinner guest pick. I like it. I, uh, wasn't expecting that one in the ballpark as the first pick and it's definitely very informative to someone I should probably start looking into if I ever meet him at one of Jordan's dinner parties in one way or another. Yeah. Exactly. No, for sure. Look into him. Um, unfortunately, you are not on the list, so you're not going to meet him at the dinner. <laughs> but hey, if you need a butler, I'm here. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so, Julian, <laughs> without further ado, I want to hear your first pick. You know, I and you better stop right there. For, go... If you say you're my mom, you're done. This podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go with the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. What a curveball. Uh, what? <laughs> and I think it would be a very interesting conversation to have to speak with someone who in their mind has created a society or a group or a hive mind that 
is positive and beneficial to the growth of society. And the reason why I choose that side is because it's important to understand the other side of issues to truly know your stance on an issue. Not saying that this is going to change my mind in the way I look at a, uh, a certain group, but it's going to give me an understanding from someone else's viewpoint to why they believe in the ways they believe and give me, you know, a more sense of belief in what I believe in, or I guess some just general knowledge of what came about to bring on that viewpoint. And it may be an awkward conversation. And I mean, sometimes that's what you got to have, but I think it would be a very fascinating couple of couple of bites or minutes or whatever it turned out to be where I would have at least a, a different or more of an understanding on a very difficult topic. Hmm. I definitely understand kind of the, the approach and I'm a really big fan of it. The approach of, uh, you got to, you have to communicate with people that disagree with you to first off to figure out common ground. And then, you know, depending on your goals to then shift their perspective, if you can, um, it sounds like it literally sounds like, uh, the premise of like the classic Dave Chappelle skit, like <laughs> the blind, the blind black, uh, racist dude. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I just think it's just something out of my comfort zone. I mean, there's a lot of picks for people at dinner guests, and I think this one would just be the most, I don't know if illuminating is the right term, but it would just be something I'm not familiar with in any regards to that side of the story. Like, do I necessarily care? Not entirely, but I think to be an educated on a topic, like you said, it is, it is nice to know both sides of the story. And I think that would open a lot of other avenues in that similar realm of discussion um, in branches to kind of gleam information from. But I mean, that would be my dinner guess as my as one of my picks. Uh, Jordan, who's your second pick? So my second pick is somebody who is um, really well known, but like, you know, almost household sometimes his quotes are, but he, he himself is not as well known as some of his quotes and extremely, extremely smart philosopher in Frederick Nietzsche. And the reason uh -huh. why, yeah, I mean, you've heard me talk about Frederick Nietzsche before if you've been on this podcast. Uh, and, you know, I'm literally rock hard as I'm speaking at this moment about him. Um, I just love his philosophy when it comes to um, you know, what life's about and why, you know, why we're doing this and how we are supposed to be doing it correctly as far as, you know, like struggle is the way. And he, I mean, he's extremely smart, estimated IQ of over 165. And I think that he would be somebody so illuminating to talk to um, just because he like, you know, the more I learn about him, the more gnarly he gets. Like literally, Julian, the the last time I last thing I heard or learned about him was he used to like think that struggle was the only way so much that he wished hardship on people on like, you know, hardship, life full of hardship on the people's lives of his or like his loved ones. That is next level. Yeah, that's a uh, that's fascinating to say the least. 
Yeah, no, truly. And I think that, you know, sometimes it's easy to misconstrue him. And I think that another reason why I'd want him as a guest is because, you know, a lot of people might can think that he has kind of like Nazi underlyings. Um, but uh, that's definitively his sister who did it. So basically when he got sick and died, his sister took over like basically all his writings and then tweaked it. So it sounded a lot more uh, Nazi like. And so it'd be really cool to truly hear kind of like from him, um, you know, straight from the horse's mouth. And being that he's so smart, I'd be worried that I wouldn't understand some of it, but I'm really going to give it a go. Do you, do you think, how is an IQ, like if I wanted to have my IQ tested, sorry, this is a, an odd question. Where do you think you'd get that tested at? Because obviously when you hear about educated or intelligent humans, their IQ scores always reference. But like, I personally don't know my own IQ score and I'm sure a good handful of people don't as well. So I'm always curious to where that number is pulled from. Um, and do you think if you took an IQ test in terms of where you'd rate on that scale, do you think you'd be closer or further away um, from Nietzsche? Um, so where you can take IQ tests and obviously Frederick Nietzsche, I don't believe took an IQ test. What they did is kind of like took his body of work, took people, you know, analyzed it, learned from, um, exactly what he was saying and, you know, the, and then compared them to people that we know have tests done. And so for instance, I think William Shakespeare is around 165 plus two. And I, so it's a conglomerate and I think there's a standard IQ test, but then there's obviously IQ tests that aren't necessarily standard, kind of like the Wonderlick. If you guys know about that, that's Mm -hmm. the like classic one that they use for, um, like NFL draftees. And I think that if personally for me, I would definitely be, well, I would imagine I'm the first, first confidence intervals of, uh, kind of like the median. So that would mean I'm probably, I don't know, somewhere like not too far off from like 100 or so, which is about average. And you got to think too, like uh, men have wider tails than women when it comes to IQ. So basically, if you're not on the median and you're outside the confidence interval, then you might even be a little bit, uh, you know, chances are if you're you're a really above average smart dude, you're a really, really smart dude. Um, But obviously a lot of people are like extremely average and some below average. Um, but yeah, I would probably be, I mean, if I'm talking like a hundred, I would be closer to the average than, than obviously closer to Nietzsche, of course. And you got to think like, here's mm-hmm. a relative scale. I think that people like, um, I think like Jordan B. Peterson, who's a really smart guy. If you've ever read maps of meaning, literally I, I read that and I'm like, what the, or any of his books, he's really, really intelligent, sometimes hard to read. So some of that's his fault, but he's about 135, I think around there, maybe 140. So it's like, you know, these are some smart dudes and you'd have to bring your game. No matter, you'd have to bring your game for sure to, to kind of like hang with them. That's uh yeah, I assume that's, that's a fair assumption there. Uh, and it's always interesting to see how intelligence scales over time in terms of, you know, someone who was deemed intelligent during a certain time period versus someone who was average in a later time period or vice versa. But I think, you know, when we talk in terms of intelligence, there's a large scale of what someone can be intelligent 
with regards to or educated on. And I think that's why my second guest maybe have the highest comedy IQ of all time. And that's Dave Chappelle, which is funny that you mentioned him earlier. But I think Dave Chappelle's comedy education or intelligence is phenomenally off the charts where it'd be a very interesting to just sit down and talk with him in regards to just his perspective and his philosophies on life and how that ties into his personal comedy or his career decision. So my question is to you, and I think that's an excellent pick. I'm a really big fan of Dave Chappelle. But my question is to you is, do you believe that it's IQ? Why is he a good comedian? Or do you think it's skill? If you Obviously, I, I it's going to be both. Uh, but if you could just, like, you know, if you said, what's the more of the driver? I think it's IQ. And I think in regards to the way I look at it is, obviously, you and I both played basketball. And I think some people can have amazing skill and poor basketball IQ and be all right. But I think those who have an amazing natural instinct and intelligence for the game can always develop their skill. And I think that's how comedy works over time is most of those comedians who are who are inherently funny and kind of destined for stardom. Obviously, when they start, they're still slightly funny, but they work on that craft over and over and over again. When you look at Chappelle, who's doing stand up at like 13 or 14 in front of thugs and getting paid and then understanding, okay, this did okay. How do I evolve this into a better story? And how do I evolve this punchline? And how do I work backwards? And how do I tie this in with current affairs? And how do I work in current events or little snippets here and there to create a cohesive hour long, hour and a half, two hours, six hours on stage that is going to make people laugh. And I think that comes from the intelligence part where you are understanding how things are weaving in and out, the balance between uh, simply telling the story and providing the comedic relief is something that is highly underrated because if anyone you know who watches comedy sees a superstar comedian and then you compare it to some guy who's just famous and put up a stand-up you can see the immense difference in their comedic levels gotcha no i definitely i think i think you're right especially with that analogy with you know basketball iq and how you know it's it's quite different than skill and you might be really good at one and not good at the other and that's definitely a possibility and so we're at the end of our table we have two guests there sitting across from one another there's three of us in total and we need the third guest the fourth person at the party to balance our our table who's your third guest so this one's like really 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 tough um just because i'm i was like tossing and turning between two people one i think would be amazing well i think both would be amazing to learn from um and but i think one would be more um more particular i guess and i think that this might be skirting the rules a little bit um but i'll give you both if, if one doesn't fit, then I'll use the other. But basically, my third and final guest would be me at the end of my life. Damn and I w- Damn you, Jordan. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> was that your, was that going to be your pick? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, we're on the same wavelength. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. I th- and I think, um, here, how about that then? You can have that one. 
and I'll bring in my ringer as Aristotle. <laughs> Whoa, what an, an interesting turn of events, but I'm cool with either one. I mean, I think we'll have different answers for why we're interviewing ourselves at the end of our, our times. Yeah, why we're dining um, with ourselves. So yeah, give me the breakdown of either one. Okay, so um, quick for Aristotle, because obviously he doesn't need, you know, a lot. So first off, this homie's teacher was Plato. So super deep. Plato's teacher was Socrates. So yeah. Um, and Aristotle is like really, really well-versed and extremely and ex- like ridiculously knowledgeable on things. He created the variable in math. Um, and he also was obviously the mentor of Alexander the Great which, you know, some people say is, you know, like how well can you teach his 13 year old kid? Um, who, who cares? But he basically, he's a bona fide like thinker and like, just honestly, just an extraordinary mind. And then to get deeper into why I would choose myself at the end of my life is because I'm, I think it would be the most perspective changing thing that I could have ever experienced just in the fact of, you know, having these smart people, having these people with perspective is basically all me and Julian has picked people with different perspectives than us. Um, and I think that, you know, the oldest me, oldest living existence of me, if you think of time as like, you know, as not a, as not like a linear thing. Um, I think that he would have a different perspective and be a different person. But at the same time, I know that I would take it as like a personal thing. So, you know, if, if the older me told the younger me, Hey man, um, it's really important that you always get enough water to drink during the day. I would think like, Oh fuck, that means something super important for some reason. And even though like knowing me, I might say it cause, Oh yeah, it's a good thing to do. And it really doesn't have anything to do with anything. Like, you know, as far as the lesson goes, but I think that I would be way more actionable on that conversation than anybody else at the table, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I mean, depends on uh, what you believe in, in the terms of time theories, because it could be interesting if you're on one side of this time thing where you believe if you do make action on certain actionable items, does that change the person that you talk to at the end of the day because if you know he says don't take this job and you end up not taking it does that change your timeline that's a whole nother nutshell but i think i agree with you the the perspective from yourself to understand how to relate i guess to yourself from another point of view is one of the strongest things i think that could happen in any regards because they know how you're essentially talking to yourself and you know how to get through or push those buttons to make a change in yourself. Yeah. And that's something I find extremely like powerful. And to this day, like, you know, more, I guess, uh, so one of the people that I find is the most valuable in my life is, uh, my brother. And one of the big reasons, obviously we grew up together and I kind of like him, uh, (laughs) But I think one of the biggest reasons is because I think he's the person in the world that most understands me. And I mean, short of myself, that's, you know, that would be extremely important. And so can you imagine like, you know, you with more experience talking to you about things, you know, like that would be the person who understood you better than you understand you to a point, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was my thought process as well. So I uh, definitely agree on that aspect and i guess if we're going to surmise my third dinner guest alternating from myself in the future 
I think I would pivot to the, I don't know how to, how to put this, the last person of your lineage in the future. So say little Julian has a child and little Julian's child has a child, et cetera, et cetera. I would love to see what the last person of that lineage or speak with the last person of that lineage. So I don't know what that person at the dinner table's name would be or or. I don't know if the term what it would be is correct, but to see that evolution from 2019 me today to the last person in that family tree, family line that can, you can see that direct relation to what it would be like and what stories they would tell in their lifetime or what was going on while they were alive in that society. Interesting. I think that would be an interesting thing, but in the way of like, you know, you're talking to somebody from like, you know, far in the future, hopefully. Um, and, but I think that the most curious thing, and this is, could be something as simple as like a picture, but like see what they look like in a way. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I, that's one of the biggest curiosities I have, because as we know, like people with blue eyes or green eyes, just colored eyes in general is becoming more rare. Uh, you know, brown eyes is becoming popular. Brunette hair is becoming popular. More and more people are having multiple ethnicities mixed in together. Maybe by that time, there's extraterrestrial beings in the mix, if you believe in that, or something has changed, or genetic modifications, all this sci-fi, thriller, whatever you want to believe could happen. No one knows, right? Just to see that person and what they look like. And maybe societal norms are completely flipped on their head. Maybe things have not gone forward, but gone backwards where they're in horses and buggies or dinosaurs have come back. You never know, right? This is completely sci-fi stuff, but there's someone down the line that's going to be in that lineage that's going to be part of your family. And to see what that's like would just be a, a completely different experience from my other guests dude and on top of that like to have dave Chappelle rip on the last of your lineage would be actually pretty fucking awesome <laughs> to it'd be a dinner to remember that's for sure um but with that being said jordan overall of your dinner guest who do you think the first one to leave is uh, i would say definitely miyamoto musashi and the reason why is because he's pretty you know uh he's more of a he's he's really kind he's really cordial um it actually depends if i get him drunk maybe or maybe if he needs a place to stay but i would think that you know naturally he would leave the That's soonest fair. just because he's gonna go <laughs> okay, out i definitely could see that fucking uh be a samurai yeah 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 i think that's a, a short-lived guest how about you um but I think that I think that your racist said, guy might leave quick. This, that, and the third. <laughs> we give our three dinner guests. We hope to hear your three dinner guests. Whether that's an anchor voice message, whether that's on social media found in the show notes below, whether that's an email, whatever it may be. We hope you found it interesting to see who we picked. And I'm sure we could go over this forever. You know, comedians, athletes, actors, writers, artists, poets, chefs, everything, the whole nine. Um, but we thank you guys for listening. We appreciate your time. Jordan, send them off with a nice little sweet something. You know what, guys? Um, I really appreciate you for tuning into this podcast and coming this far, enjoying it. And, you know, like hopefully you reflect on it as well. And, you know, I think that one thing that I appreciate about you guys is that, 
you know, you, you decided today to be smarter than you were or learn more than you did yesterday. And so thank you for that. And I hope to see you again. <laughs>